Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. All right, so next week we're starting a brand new series called Winning the War in Your Mind. How many think that's a good idea to start talking about this stuff? Come on, we're going to talk about all the things that we struggle with, whether it's anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, whatever that might be, all of us have a war going on in our mind. Can I get an amen from some people there? Right, yeah, we all battle that. And so what we're going to do for the next four weeks is we're going to look at this series that's going to help us discover ways that we might win the war in our mind. Now, this is coming from Life Church, Pastor Craig Rochelle, who wrote this book earlier this year. So this is like perfect content for us. This was written and created during COVID season. And so if you had fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, it's all practical and it's in there. So we're actually going to have these books available for you to pick up in the back starting next week. And if you are a first time guest at any point during this series, you get one of these guys for free. Who thinks that's a cool idea? Awesome. So that means that Blaze Church is your church. Guys, this is a great series for you to invite your friends to. In fact, we're so passionate about it that, you want to take this? Thank you. That uh, we create a webpage, blazechurch.org slash mind, and you can see promotional material there so you can invite your friends. You can see some trailers of this series, and it's just going to be a great, great series for us to get into. So that starts next Sunday, July 11th. Today is Independence Day. Now, I hope you all did your homework like I did. Last night, we got the kids to bed, and I sat down and watched The Patriot. Did anybody else do that? All right, it's one of my favorite movies. I love that movie, and man, it's just, I feel like the whole time during the movie, I just have to watch it like this, huh? There's just something about it. But today is a great day as we, we kind of just pause and we reflect and remember that centuries ago, there was a group of people who declared their independence from King George III, from the monarch of Britain. And the Declaration of Independence, right, this document that maybe you've heard a famous line of that I'm going to read in just a moment, was written and penned and preserved, and nobody but Nicolas Cage could figure out that there was really clues hidden on it. Thank you for the pity laughter, National Treasure. I'm just going to do all these cheesy movies that we should watch. So let me just read this line that you've probably heard before. It says this, it's actually the second line of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and say this last part with me, the pursuit of happiness. Now, there's a lot going on in this singular sentence, and as I was getting ready for this message and I thought I'm going to read from a document that is political, I hope I don't appear political. Can I just not be political for a moment? It's like anything you say is that you cancel this church. Blaze Church is canceled. They read from the Declaration of Independence. All right, so I want to focus on that last line there. And it's important for us to realize the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit to pursue happiness. Now, what's interesting is when this was penned in the 18th century, the word happiness meant something different than it means today. In the 18th century, it literally meant thriving and well-being. That was it. That's all they had. This, you have the right to pursue well-being. Now, in the 21st century, the definition of happiness is anything 
that makes me, you want to guess the word? Happy, right? And you can clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Come on, right? We, we all know, like, if you just think, but think about that. If you can determine what happiness means for you, that is your right to pursue that. And when that is our definition and that is our understanding of happiness and the pursuit of happiness, then what we get is this. The only way I can pursue happiness is through independence, through making sure that I am free from all control, all authority, that there is not one person or group of persons or even a government system that can tell me how to live my life because in order to pursue happiness, which I have a right to do, then I should be independent. Does that make sense? Does that sound like a good description of the culture that we live in? I mean, that's, that's what it is. You choose your path. You choose your right. Whatever makes your, you happy, it goes. Just don't hurt anybody in the process. Kind of the only asterisk we might put on that definition. Independence. So I want you to think of all of that. And now I want to, want to read to you a verse and a Proverbs. This is God's plan for our lives. So think about independence and now hear this. Trust in the Lord with, say this with me, all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Look at verse six. And what does that say? All your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Now, I think, God bless you. Now, I think that God should have consulted the Declaration of Independence before he wrote this verse. What do you mean, trust you with all of my heart? Shouldn't trust you with all, acknowledge you in all of my ways? But that's not independent. But I can't pursue happiness that way. I want to read you that verse again out of the NIV version, and that is the new independent version. Okay, let me read it to you here. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart, but mostly trust in what you believe is right. And in some of your ways that are convenient, submit to him, but you have the right to determine your own path. Now, if you're new to church, that is not an actual translation. Just want to clarify that. You're like scrolling through your U version. Where's that? that one sounds good. I could, I could live with that one, the new independent version. But guys, this is exactly how we frame God's plan for our lives, his principles. If we push up against something that God says, live this way, forgive this way, give this way, serve this way, love this way, if we brush up against it and it challenges our independence, our autonomy, our right to pursue the lifestyle that we want, we just convert the verse and say, some of my ways the ways that are easy, the ways that are convenient. So my question today that I want to tackle with you on Independence Day is, what would it look like for you and I to depend on the Lord, to actually trust in him with all of our hearts, in all of our ways acknowledge him? Let me give you some examples I wrote down. Maybe for you, the area that you struggle the most with depending on the Lord in is with your family. Maybe you're a parent and you're constantly worrying about your children. Are they safe? Are they okay? Are they going to choose the right path? Did we train them enough to, to go on this certain way? Maybe you're just worried, but think about that. What is worry? It's a lack of dependence that they belong to the Lord and he has a good plan for them. Right? Maybe for you, it's in the area of your relationships. You're dating someone right now. You're, you're with someone. You're partnered with someone and, and they don't know the Lord, 
you're not trusting him in that way, but you've got a plan. Maybe you can get them to come to church. Maybe you can save them and change them. But it's just too hard to trust in the Lord's principles in your relationships. Maybe it's your finances. In fact, for most of us, that is the area. It's why Jesus spoke so much about trusting the Lord with our finances. And we worry and we save and we think, yeah, but if I give this away, then what am I going to have if there's trouble? I can't trust the Lord to come through. I just like to sing the song, you're more than enough and you're my provider. You see how that works in our own hearts and our lives? Maybe it has to do with your future. I know this is one for me. God, can I trust you with the plans that you have for my life, for this church, for my family? I don't know. Maybe I've got to work a little bit. I've got to sacrifice more. I've got to, I can't honor you with a Sabbath and a day off. I, I need to take control. I can't depend on you. See, all of us are going to have areas in our lives where it's not all of our heart, but it's truly some of our heart that we've surrendered to the Lord. What would it look like for you and I to live fully dependent on him? And why should we? I mean, why can't we just go on living the way culture is, which says pursue happiness through independence? To discover this, we're going to look at the moment between a father and a son where this father is called to depend wholly on the Lord, to trust the Lord with everything, with his most precious of things. And we're going to discover what he knew. And if you and I would grab onto it today, I believe that we will move from independent living to dependent living on the Lord. And come on, how many know that there's way more blessing found in that way of living? There's way more freedom. There's way more peace of mind. There's way more joy in our hearts when we truly know God is in control. I'm depending on him. I'm honoring him. I'm living for him. So I want to read you a story that's found in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and we're going to read a few verses together. Chapter 22, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Say these words with me sacrifice him, sacrifice him, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a, mom, on a mountain I will show you. Now, it's not in the text, but I got to believe that when Abraham hears this command, sacrifice your son, he just pinches himself a little bit to make sure he's not dreaming. Sacrifice my son? The, my, the son that I love? Now, you need a little bit of a backstory to understand the weight of this moment. When Abraham was 75 years old, his name was Abram, and God came to him and said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. In fact, he changed his name to Abraham, which means father of the multitude. The problem was, at that point in Abram's life, him and his wife Sarai had no kids at all, which he probably was like, God, um, there's an issue here. I can't be the father of many nations without a child. And his wife was barren. She was unable to have kids. She probably should have came to Blaze because pretty much everyone here is pregnant. Like, there's just so many babies that are coming. If you don't want to have a baby, like, we don't drink the coffee here, my wife and I. We bring our own because we're just not sure what's going on. Um, but we just had a baby born last week, like two days ago, right? Alec had a baby. There's a baby coming in a couple of weeks. It's just everywhere, okay? So that was not Abram and Sarai. Uh, they had no children. And for 25 years, they still had no children. And then Isaac is born, the promised child. In fact, the one that God had said, through your offspring, I'm going to bless the world. Fast forward now, God says, sacrifice him. 
First of all, you should be asking what kind of a God would call someone for child sacrifice. And we're going to see what that means in a few moments. But when Abraham hears this, what he's hearing for our context is, Abraham, depend on me. Trust me. Listen to what I'm saying and obey my voice. Depend on me. So what will Abraham do? Because like you and I, he has a choice to make. The pursuit of happiness, if he's following independence, would say, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to make my own plans. This is an area where I will not lean on your understanding. I'll lean on my own. Sacrificing my only son is not a great way to be the father of many nations. What will he choose? The next verse says this. Early in the, the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac, and when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. What strikes me most about that verse is the first words there, early the next morning. Do you see an attitude of obedience in Abraham? Like if there was one day where you were going to hit the snooze button a couple times on your phone, It's the day where God says, go sacrifice your only son. But Abraham is living a dependent life on the Lord. Our question this morning is, how? What did he know that you and I might know today so that we might depend on him? And so they set out. Verse 4 says this, On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Now look what he says. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey. While I and the boy go over there, we will worship, and then, what does he say? We will come back to you. That's interesting. Abraham acts in faith by going early in the morning, by honoring the Lord, by saying, okay, you called me to do this. It doesn't make sense up here, but I'm going to trust you. He loads everything up, the wood, the fire, and his son brings his servants with him, and then tells them this phrase, we will come back to you. I know what you're thinking. Where is the verse that we skipped? Where where did God tell him, don't worry, this is all a joke. You're just going to get there and I'm going to send you back home. We can't find it because it's not in there. There's no moment where God audibly tells Abraham, by the way, I'm just going to test you and see if you'll do this. Yet Abraham says in confidence, we will come back to you. And here's why the first thing that you and I need to understand, if you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing that we need to understand if we are to depend on the Lord is we've got to understand God's plan. God's big plan for our lives. You see, the season that you are in right now does not negate the story that God is writing for your life. And as we go through seasons, I'm so glad that seasons come and go, right? As we go through seasons, we recognize these seasons need to be looked at under the landscape of the entire painting that God is creating with our lives. And he is the master artist. He is painting your life in such a way that your story will bring him glory. And whatever season God has you in right now and what he's calling you to do, understand, even if it doesn't make sense, we can trust him as Jehovah Jireh. He's more than enough. He's the Lord who provides. And so Abraham looks at this moment in light of God's plan that was initiated decades ago and says, if you're calling me to sacrifice my son, 
I know that your plan is for me to be the father of many nations. I'm going to trust in the plan that you have for my life. And so we will come back. And he says it with faith to his servants. He demonstrates a trust in the plan of God. Maybe you don't know what God's plan is for your life today. Can I read a couple statements that declare God's plan over you? The scriptures say this, he has a plan to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. He is working all things out for your good. He sent his son so that you could experience not a lacking life, but an abundant life. And his plan is for you to live and not perish. If you believe that's a good plan, why don't we give God some praise this morning? That's the plan that God has for you. And let me just say, none of that is connected to health, wealth, prosperity, and endless zeros in your bank account, okay? You might be saying, well, what's going on here? God does have a plan for you to be healthy. By his stripes, you are healed. If you're in a season right now where you're saying, I don't feel it, God has a big plan for your life. But we don't preach something here that just says everything is about what I see around me. We preach a gospel that says, I trust in God's plan. Even when I don't see it, I still know that you're working. Even when I don't feel it, I'm going to stand on the promises of your word. You have freed me. You have delivered me. You have healed me. You have the very best for my life. That is our God. That's his plan for your life. And so if you're going through a season right now where you're saying, but I don't feel God's plan and what he's calling me to do seems so wrong to depend on him, you've got to know the plan that God has for you. You've got to be in his word and know these verses. Abraham knew them. And so Abraham goes on. It says that he took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Could you imagine that moment? He takes the wood that he knows will be used and puts it right on his son And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? I just want to pause for a moment because we've got to feel this. I have a seven-year-old son he woke up early this morning, came here, was so excited. The whole ride, he said, I'm going to be on the dream team and set up today. And he came here. Got, we got here by 730. He was rolling out road cases and getting everything set. Has a passion for it. And I thought, what if in this moment my son was asking me, where's the lamb? All the while, he's holding the wood on his own back. What's Abraham going to say to his son? Verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them went on together. And again, there's nowhere in the text where God tells Abraham, I'm going to provide the lamb in place of your son. So what is Abraham doing? He is once again speaking out in faith. He is once again, and now, parents, listen up. He's demonstrating this faith to his child. What does your words convey to the children in your home? What do your words convey to the next generation that's looking at us as adults of how we respond in situations, of when God calls us to depend on him, what do your words communicate to this next generation that's coming up? Because I want my words to communicate the Lord is provider and he will provide the sacrifice for us. He will provide what is needed, I'm trusting in him. Could you imagine if Abraham looks at his son and just says, it's you, man what? Yeah, you're it. 
God's provision. The second thing we need to understand if we are to depend wholly on the Lord. If you're struggling with depending on the Lord today, it's probably because you don't know him as the true provider in your life. You can't trust him with your children to know that he's the provider for them. You can't trust him with your finances. Tithing seems unreasonable. The first 10%, 10% is so big. Unless it's a Kohl's coupon, then we don't even make the trip. Can we just be honest? Isn't that interesting? Come on, you peel to reveal and it's anything less than 30? I'm not shopping. And yet God says the first 10% and we look at him and say, that's crazy, that's Old Testament. I don't have to give you 10%. Trust him. It's because you don't know him as provider and what he can do with 90% in your life. See, if you're not depending on the Lord in some area of your life, it's because you truly don't know his provision in that area yet. How do you get to know his provision? Depend on him. It's, it's like a weird cycle there. Like you're only going to get to know he's provider when you can start declaring he's provider. And to declare that, you have to be in that moment. That's where Abraham is. It's where his son is in this moment. God's going to provide the lamb. Don't worry. Don't worry. And you and I today, we have provision that should cause us to depend on the Lord. I'm going to show you what that provision is in just a minute, but let's keep reading. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham's ready to do this. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I wonder about this moment if Abraham and Isaac were looking at each other or not. Because as I sat and wrote and just waited on the Holy Spirit, I thought I couldn't look at my son in this moment. I'd have to grab that knife and look away. And everything that Abraham has set up into this moment, we will come back. The Lord will provide. It feels like as he grabs that knife, he's losing confidence. What's going to happen now? I mean, if he's going to do this, the knife is in his hand. His boy is on the altar. What does Abraham know in this moment to go so far as to take the knife to slay his son? And what's so amazing is we discover what Abraham knows by looking at a New Testament book. The author of the book of Hebrews writes about all of these heroes of the faith. Ordinary men and women, nothing special about them, but they depended on the Lord in every area of their lives. It's Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the Hall of Faith. And if you ever read that chapter and you felt insignificant and felt like I could never be as these guys, you've got to understand their greatness didn't come from them. It came from the Lord that they depended on. Yes, we still believe in deliverance today, in healing today, in freedom today, in God's provision today, because it's based on the authority of Jesus Christ, not on our own authority. And so the author of Hebrews writes about Abraham and look at what he writes. He says in verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Pause. The author of Hebrews is saying, Abraham got to the moment where he was ready to sacrifice the offspring, Isaac, even though God promised, made a covenant, through Isaac, the world will be blessed. Why? The answer is in the next verse. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, 
And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Translation, Abraham understood that God is the God of the resurrection. This is before Jesus even rose from the dead. And Abraham, thousands of years prior, is saying, I know that God has the power to bring people back from the dead. And so if God's power is at work, even if I slay my son, I'm just going to experience the resurrection because that's the God that I believe in. How many are thankful that we know that God today? That if God calls you to lay something down on the altar, it's only because he has resurrection power to bring beauty from ashes. See, you're so concerned saying, yeah, but if I give up this relationship, I'm going to feel so alone. And yet if you will put that on the altar, God's resurrection power is going to bring life to your relationship like you can't understand. You've worked so hard for this career, and yet God is saying, trust me with it. Give it up. I've got a different plan for your life. And if you would lay that down, God's resurrection power is going to bring something even greater into your life. Can I preach a little bit on Dependence Day? God has a plan. God has provision and God has the power to see it through. And so Abraham concludes, I'll kill him because God's going to bring him back from the dead. He's depending on the Lord. He doesn't have to do it though. The angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. Notice the call is two times. The first time it was his name once. Now two times, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. That word, you fear God, simply means you depend on the Lord. You trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You respect him. You are in awe of God. I know it now by the way that you're living. It's obvious you depend on him. And now I want you to see the next three words that are written. In fact, I want you to say them with me. The beginning of verse 13. Abraham looked up. Come on, let's say that again all together. Abraham looked up. Hey, pause there. And there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Do you want to know where the song Jireh got its founding from? This verse right here. This is where Abraham acknowledges, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord who provides. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. What were the three words we said together? Abraham looked up, telling you. This world has us convinced that the pursuit of happiness is by looking around us. If you can achieve something great, if you can experience something, if you can acquire more wealth, then you will be happy. Or it's convincing us, look inward. You have everything you need to be happy right inside of you. Find your true self, your true identity. The gospel declares, don't look around and don't look in, but look up for your help comes from the Lord alone. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You see, many years later, another son would carry wood on his back and climb a hill. And he would trust his father, but there would be no substitute in his place. 
because he himself was the lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. This moment points us to Jesus. Jesus is the son who came to this world and willingly gave up his life so that you and I might find happiness in our creator. Happiness in the identity we were created to have as adopted children of God. See, here's God's plan. God's plan is to rescue us from our sin. God's provision is found in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who died on the cross, and God's power is found where Jesus didn't stay dead in a tomb, but you can roll the stone away because the tomb is empty, the grave is empty, and Jesus is alive. That's what you and I need to know today if we are to depend on the Lord. You've got to know that Jesus is the offspring. See, after that moment, here's what God says to Abraham, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And that offspring wasn't Isaac. It was Jesus. Through Jesus, we find our blessing. Through Jesus, you find your healing. Through Jesus, you find your deliverance. Through Jesus, your life is changed and you are never the same again. Through the name of Jesus, you are born again and you're an adopted child of God. If you're struggling today with depending on the Lord, if you are living for yourself, if everything feels less than, it's because you were created for more than. You were created to know God. That's why we exist as a church, to blaze the way for people to know God. And this morning is an opportunity for you to put your faith in Jesus. And however you came in, I'm telling you, you were gonna leave a new creation born again in Jesus' name because he has paid the price for your sins. And if you know Christ today, church, blaze church, when you believe that Jesus came to this world to pursue you, you can stop pursuing happiness the way the world does. That's the truth of Dependence Day. If you are a follower of Christ today, then our lives should be lived so differently than those who don't know Jesus. Come on, we don't have to look around us for happiness or look in us. We look up and we find our happiness at the cross. And our happiness is not built on circumstances. It is built on the name of Jesus Christ. And so Blaze Church, I want to encourage you. You've got people in your life who are pursuing happiness by looking around and by looking in. But they were created to look up. And that's why, oh, the book's down there now. And that's why next week we're doing this series winning the war in your mind. That's why I'm saying, if this is your church, this is an incredible month for you to invite your friends that are pursuing happiness the world's way. Because there is a war going on in our minds and through Jesus Christ and his name and his authority, we become overcomers. Do you believe that this morning? That God doesn't want us bound up and locked up and driven by fear. God wants us to find freedom. Blaze church. Share the gospel with those around you. Live for him. Be a backyard church. But I want to give opportunity to you today if you don't know Jesus as your savior. If you've never made a declaration, if you've never depended wholly on him, totally on him, said, Lord, be the Lord of my life. Jesus, be my savior. Then today, July 4, 2021, is a day where you declare your dependence on the Lord and you discover what it means to be fully alive in abundant life. I'm gonna ask everyone to bow their heads in this moment to create a space where people might connect with the Lord. Maybe today, that's who you are. You're saying, I need Jesus. I need to know him. 
I don't want to live my life the same way I've lived it without him. I don't want to just live for myself. I don't want to live for temporary things. There's a part of you that feels so incomplete, and that's because apart from Jesus, you will never live the whole life that you were created to live. And the gospel is what you've heard this morning, that Jesus Christ is the provision, God's plan for your life for you to be saved. And through the resurrection power, Jesus is alive, and today you're about to be made alive. And so if you want to know Jesus, I want to lead you in a moment where you might confess your desire to know him. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And our church is going to join in in this prayer. And as we pray this prayer, if that's you, you're saying, I want to know Jesus today for the first time. I want to give him my life. Today, I will never be the same. As we pray, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand so I can celebrate with you that today is a day of salvation, a day of life for you. My church, let's say this together. And if you want to know him, just slip your hand up right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I declare that I need Jesus. I am a sinner who needs saving, and Jesus is my rescue. Thank you for sending Jesus for, to die for me. I declare that I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And now let's join in with all of heaven that is celebrating as people are putting their hands and their lives in the hands of Jesus. Amen.